The whole issue of damming rivers for hydropower projects could be on the line at a landmark resource hearing getting underway on the west coast. Meridian Energy wants to build a huge dam on the Mokihinui River in Buller, but environmentalists are vowing to defeat proposals for New Zealand's first major hydro dam since Clyde was opened on the Clutha River 15 years ago. Jeff Moffat has been to the west coast to hear more from both sides of the argument. The West Coast is the poor relation when it comes to power. It's isolated, tucked in behind the Southern Alps, and its electricity has to travel up from the lake's power stations to the top of the South Island before heading back down to coast households and industry. As a result, electricity costs are among the highest in New Zealand, and the power supply is at its most unreliable. The coast desperately needs more power and protection against blackouts, but at what cost? By far the biggest hydro scheme on the coast is planned here at Mokihinui in a wilderness gorge in northern Buller. Everybody that lives on the river, it's their life, really. It's, we'd rely on the river. Our driftwood at the bottom, um, the birds, the white bait, the fish, just the water. Tramping. Tramping. Kayaking. Kayaking, everything. Swimming. Spiritual nature. It's, it's everything. It's got a spiritual feel to it. Yeah. Three locals show me the site where Meridian Energy plans its dam, a structure 85 metres high and 300 metres wide. A narrow 14 kilometre long storage lake would be created behind the dam and this would feed a power station generating up to 85 megawatts of electricity. That would solve the coast's power problems and leave some supply for Nelson and Marlborough. But environmentalists and locals say a dam would ruin the river, and that's too high a price to pay. Meridian, though, says it's the perfect site. Yes, the company says there will be impacts, but they can be mitigated. The company's external relations manager, Claire Shaw, says the site can't be bettered. We did look at two other possible sites in the area, um, but from our assessments, the Mikahinui scheme was just far the best option, and that's due to technical and commercial viability. Walking along the Mokihinui River, conservationist Pete Lusk tells me the project has divided the community. He says the Mokihinui was ranked seventh in a report commissioned by DOC in 2004 of rivers in New Zealand with high ecological values. I can't see a, a dam in such a special area, like it's one of New Zealand's top ecological catchments. Um, it has this wonderful whitebait fishery. It has um, one of the, it's one of the best places for long-finned eels, which is a declining species. It has kiwi, it has blue duck, it has rare snails. It, it just has so much. Just down the river, American Marion Boatwright and partner journalist Susan Cook thought they'd found a perfect site to build their dream wilderness accommodation. They opened the Rough and Tumble Lodge in 2006, and Marion Boatwright, an outdoor education teacher, says they were shocked soon afterwards when they heard about the dam proposal. We came halfway around the world to find one of the quietest little places where we could um, very simply have an absolutely magnificent little bush lodge. Well, we found ourselves in the middle of um, what by times feels like a hornet's nest, um, he and uh, Susan Cook were on Meridian's Christchurch doorstep 24 hours later, demanding answers. A year or so on, Marion Boatwright says they've accepted the reality that a power project is needed, even if it's virtually in their back garden. 
we came here, we bought 100 acres. We didn't buy 100,000. And um, who are we to say, ah, don't damn our river, go damn somebody else's. So those are just some of the reasons of, of which we have, um, you know, decided that um, taking, uh, trying to balance out the negatives with positives is the best outcome that we can hope for. Marion Boatwright says they've negotiated compensation from Meridian to help with impacts on the lodge, including having to close it for three years if and when construction begins. While these neighbours are taking what they call a pragmatic approach to the power scheme, Debs Martin from Forest and Bird sees no benefits. If you dammed the Mokanoi, there was a report, the Lanky report, that you could replace it by decommissioning something somewhere else or protecting something somewhere else. And the Landcare report found that there wasn't the ability to do that. So essentially we're going to have a net loss on the environment and a net loss of habitat. And for species like blue dark longfin deal, bats, lots of um, small native fish species in there as well as great spotted kiwi and snail, those things are losing their habitat at, at rates that are, are, you know, we can't afford Conservationist Pete Lusk says Meridian will fell or destroy thousands of trees as it floods the valley behind the dam. And Frida Inter, who lives at Seddonville, not far from the dam site, says Meridian's plans to save the native longfin eels and other fish species will fail. The grating that they're putting on the turbines um, will only stop the female eels and the biggest of the male eels from getting through. The smaller eels will go through the gratings and be churned up by the turbines, as will most of the trout and um, our native uh, fish. Also, koaro, which is the main part of the whitebait catch in the Mokanui River, spawns exactly where the dam is going to be put. Meridian's Claire Shaw says the detailed plan to catch the native longfin eels and the koara, or juvenile whitebait, below the dam and transport them upstream will be detailed at the consent hearing. However, she says the techniques are proven. It has been used at a number of dams around New Zealand, uh, Matahina, Patea, at the Waitaki, and due to their climbing ability, for example, this system's known to be effective, and we've shown that, for example, during the 2004 to 2005 season, more than 2.5 million juvenile eels have been captured at seven sites, which we monitored. Good morning, Buller District Council, Lorraine speaking. At the Westport offices of the Buller District Council, Mayor Pat McManus argues strongly for the project. It will give much-needed power certainty for the district, he says, and in the process open up a wonderful new recreation area at the storage lake. At the moment, the Buller Mayor says, very few people go into the Mokihanui wilderness. Um, you know, they talk about rafting on the, on the Mokihanui, but when you drill down into it and ask them how many times do they actually get to raft the Mokihanui, it's not many because you have to helicopter run. And not every New Zealander can afford to um, hire a helicopter to get into that area. So there's a bit of give and take here. And as I said, it's a small footprint. So for the sake of opening it up to the rest of New Zealand to make use of, then then we should we should look at those sorts of um, things. Beside the stony river mouth of the Mokahanui north of Westport is the tiny community itself. A couple of dozen houses, only a few permanently occupied. The rest are owned by holidaymakers and white baiters preparing now for what they hope will be another bumper season on the river. Mokahanui, though, is literally being washed away. Over the years, it's lost many metres of frontage to the pounding of the Tasman Sea. By building a dam upstream, Meridian acknowledges the river will no longer provide some coastal protection, 
by washing out stones and sandy gravel to form a natural erosion barrier for the settlement. 25-year resident John McTaggart says the dam will rapidly hasten the community's demise. See, they say like maybe 50 years we've got, maybe 50 years before we've got a real problem with the dam 15. You know, like the first couple of years will be the really worst part of it. So they say 50, maybe two, three years time there mightn't be a place here anyway. The residents are asking Meridian to cover most of the cost of a sea barrier if the project goes ahead. The Residents Association will support the scheme if it gets assurances from the company. Meridian's Clear Shaw says the company is not making any promises. What we're doing is we're leaving the decision with the community who will decide with the council what they want to do, if anything, about this issue and we'll assist where we can. So, What sort of options have you been discussing with them? There are all sorts of options from, um, you know, large-scale um, seawalls all the way through to managing retreats and that sort of thing. A final plan of how erosion can be controlled and how much of that Meridian will pay for is still being negotiated. While the Mokianui Hydro project is about to be fought out before resource commissioners, another hydro scheme 100 kilometres or so south near Greymouth is close to approval. Trust Power's Arnold River hydro scheme is 48 megawatts, just over half the size of Mokianui, and is canal-based. Nine years ago, Trust Power proposed the nearby Dobson hydro scheme, but that plan collapsed when dock land needed for the project was deemed too valuable by the government. However, Trust Power is now close to winning approval for a less intrusive scheme on the Arnold River, where a small hydro scheme has been running since the 1930s. We've just worked very, very hard um, to satisfy the uh, opponents of the scheme, if you like, and try to have a win-win, and we've achieved that. Trust Power's Graham Purchase says there's big support on the West Coast for the $185 million scheme although the company has had to negotiate a deal with kayakers and anglers on mitigating impacts. Stop! Back paddle. I'm on the Arnold River with students from Greymouth-renowned Taipotini Outdoor Recreation School. Instructor Dave Ritchie says this part of the river will be altered forever when the power scheme is built. From the powerhouse, the current powerhouse down, which is the whitewater section about eight kilometres worth, um, that will be effectively dewatered down to 12 or possibly 15 cubics, cubic metres of water per second. And what we're looking at here, Jeff, is about 60 or 70. So it'll, very be, small it'll, it'll be a ditch. Yeah, it'll be a gutter. Dave Ritchie says the river is a perfect place for people to learn how to raft and kayak. He's been negotiating with Trust Power for a trade-off. The company's agreed to pay most of the estimated cost of a million dollars for a whitewater park. Dave Ritchie says he's been accused of selling out, but he says a hydro scheme on an already modified river was inevitable. My, my real feeling is that while we're losing um, a great uh, resource, we're actually going to gain something that this can't quite give us. And I think that's been part of the trade-off. And I still eat my heart out about it. You know, every time I get off the Arnold with students, I think, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to do this on an artificial course. But It's a trade-off, not a sell-out. It's, it's a trade-off, tra yeah. Well, you've got to be reasonable about this. I mean, this, we're kayakers, you know, and this is it. We're, tiny, we're a tiny fringe group, and we understand that. We're a bit weird. Anglers, too, have sought undertakings from Trust Power about future fishing on the Arnold. 
Fish and Game West Coast manager Chris Tonkin says from the moment Trustpower flagged the project, the battle to save the river for anglers has been all-consuming. The Arnold was their was last major one and that, that consumed something like a quarter of our available resources last year in terms of time and a lot of uh, external costs obviously. But the, the alternative is to do nothing and that's really not an option. Ironically, he says, scientific analysis given to fish and game suggests fishing could improve due to the reduced water flow. While Trust Power has overcome most opposition to the Arnold scheme, the Grey District Mayor, Tony Cockshorn, says the original Dobson project would have been up and running if the government hadn't rejected a land swap to enable a valley to be flooded. We could have been self-sufficient with 64 megawatts now. Under the old scheme, we could have had a new lake in behind Dobson. It would have been a tourist attraction in its own right. It just should have gone ahead. But for some reason, uh, extreme environmentalists, they stand in the way and they just can't see the wood for the trees at times. I mean, we've got 2.3 million hectares of forest here on the West Coast and 2 million of that is um, tied up in dock. Inevitably on the West Coast, arguments over developments revolve around the Crown's ownership of about 80% of land here. Tony Cockshorn says Doc's non-negotiable policies killed off the Dobson Power Scheme and that shouldn't be allowed to happen again. They need to come to some sort of a new arrangement and let people mitigate. In our case, we were going to swap the same type of land. But they did a study and they came up with, oh, your land's a hill, now you've got a different type of forest up on the hill to what was down on the valley floor, so, oh, sorry, we wanted it exactly duplicated. Well, that's ridiculous. Tony Cockshorn wonders why Meridian is pushing for the Mokianui Dam project in Buller when it could have pursued two run-of-river hydro schemes on the Grey and Ahura rivers that would have had far less impact. They're huge, huge rivers. Taking water out of them for 12 k's and putting it back in doesn't affect anything on the ecotourism side of it, the, uh, the ecology of it, uh, the gravel system keeps going out to the sea and all those things. So why wouldn't you, when... There is a never-ending supply of water here on the west coast versus Canterbury or anywhere else. Why wouldn't you do it? Forest and Birds' Debs Martin says it's hard to understand why the state-owned energy company has taken on such a controversial dam project. Maybe people thought we can go to one river system, generate a lot, we're not going to have maybe a lot of public opposition because there's not so many people around that area. And... I can only guess as to what they were thinking in their minds, but in terms of the natural values, as it's ranked now, the Mokanui is the seventh highest in New Zealand. So it's really surprising why they're going for those when they could be looking at other places. Meridian spokesperson Claire Shaw says the company's research identified Mokanui for several reasons. What coasters have now is a reliance on power generated hundreds of kilometres away in the Waitaki, which means there's massive transmission losses due to the region. This option would be very close to the national grid and being so close, I think it's about 29 kilometres to the 220 kV in transpower grid line. So basically electricity generated that's not required by the West Coast has the potential to possibly feed the Upper South Island. It's just in a really good place. Just one power line supplies the West Coast, which means no backup of power fails. At least 20% of power is lost through the lines, just getting the power from Benmore up to Kikiwa near Nelson and across to the west coast. Transpower now has approval to build a second main 110 kV power line, and that's planned within three years. Its chief executive, Dr Patrick Strange, says it will mean a reliable supply for the west coast. 
He says the coast could get by with no extra generation in the near future, but politics aside, he'd welcome both of the new West Coast schemes. From a purely transmission point of view and balancing things up, we'd um, be very, very pleased to see them both go ahead. Now, I can't make comments on, you know, the environmental impacts of them. I mean, we've got other processes for that. But just looking at it as a trans balancing up the transmission system and getting load down the ends of our lines, another 100, 120 megs on the, uh, on the west coast would be a very good outcome for us. From the massive to the minuscule, a bush track behind a house near the township of Ross leads me to a pond the size of a child's paddling pool. A pipe runs down to a small hydro turbine wheel. As I said, it only really runs when it's been raining. I've had a few fine days, so I've been saving some water for you, <laughs> just so we can start it up. Dr Brian Anderson is West Coast born and bred, now a research fellow in glacial modelling at Victoria University and a keen tramper and mountaineer. He's installed this micro scheme to power his home. And if there's been no rain, there's a solar power scheme and a small wind turbine to charge the house batteries. You could say Brian Anderson is the ultimate greenie. He even runs his car on recycled vegetable oil. He's the first to acknowledge such self-sufficiency isn't for everyone, but he's against think-big projects and argues that smaller community-based power schemes are the way of the future. I guess the West Coast has a history of these small schemes before the, before the grid was connected everywhere. So a lot of little towns had their own schemes. In fact, um, Ross, where we live, has, a, has its own hydroelectricity scheme that was built to, to run the gold mines um, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Buller Electricity, the smallest lines company in New Zealand, says it's looking at a number of community projects. Its chief executive, Mike McSherry, says as demand increases on the West Coast, the economics of smaller hydro schemes have become more attractive. No, you don't need big projects, not at all. Uh, many small projects will do just as well as one large one. And I think that from their point of view, the, the big, big ones do have an environmental impact, visually and whatever, where the smaller ones tend to be tucked away and perhaps do less damage to the environment from their point of view. So I think, um, yeah, the size doesn't matter. This is our intake here. It's just a run of the river stuff. Can't you want to get down there and have a look? Or? I'm in the steep hills behind the southwestern township of Haast with Bob Cannell. We're on the Turnbull River at the intake of a small hydro scheme which has powered the township for more than 30 years. Electrician Bob Cannell has been maintaining the Turnbull scheme here for most of that time. We go through a tunnel, through some pipes, and we take the settling bases down to where we settle, settle the stones out into the pipeline, a kilometre down the road, up to a surf tower, and then 175 feet down to the turbines. Now this is the power station, Bob. This is where it all the way. Yep, this is where it all happens in here. This is just that bottom of our pen stop. The 300 people of Haast not only get guaranteed power from this tucked away hydro scheme, they pay well below the West Coast average for their electricity, an average of 22.8 cents per kilowatt hour, compared with up to 29 cents in Buller. West Coast power demands are expected to jump more than 50% during the next two years due to Pike River's new coal mine near Greymouth, Oceana Gold's mine near Reefton and the dairy boom. 
The time is ripe for new projects. Westland Lines company Westpower is applying to revive the old amethyst hydro scheme on a tributary of the Wanganui River near Harihari. This is the, the area that, we're, that amethyst hydro is located in. And if you, just on the map edge, if you see the bridge over the uh, Wanganui River at, at um, Harry Harry, so it's just north of that bridge. West Power Chief Executive Rob Caldwell says the Amethyst Run of River project is a good example of a scheme close to its community and near transmission lines. It is ideal. Um, it's in a conservation estate, so we've been having to talk to, to Department of Conservation through this whole process. They've been very good to deal with, um, and I think the concession report, which is out for consultation at the moment, shows that we've been able to work with them to mitigate any effects. Buller Electricity too is looking at several small schemes, one at Kawateri north of Westport. But Buller's Mayor Pat McManus says the district desperately needs assured power to build the economy. We're looking at um, attracting uh, industry and more industry to the west coast and indeed making the, the industry that is already here more viable, um, more reliable power and all those sorts of things. So you know, we, we, we just need some, some larger schemes. The Mokianui Dam project, he says, will guarantee Buller's power future. But could the Meridian Scheme be the beginning of the end for large hydro dam projects? The last of the so-called Think Big projects was opened at Clyde on the Clutha River in 1994. The government's recently released national policy statement on renewable generation sends a clear signal that hydro power, especially hydro dams, may not meet the future renewable definition. The Energy Minister David Parker explains. I've made the point, and I, I've, I've heard the Prime Minister say it as well, that um, just because we've got a renewable future doesn't mean that we can ignore environmental side effects. And we've made the point that we don't need to dam every river or have windmills on every ridgeline. Uh, I think it's true that uh, we've already got a large number of our rivers modified in New Zealand through dams, and we don't need to do a lot more of that in order to meet our targets. So I'm, for one, am not uh, in favour of reducing environmental baselines for hydro in order to make it happen. We don't need to, and I think that would be a mistake for our country. A national-led government may see things differently. John Key has said he'd move immediately to reform the Resource Management Act. Amendments would include priority consenting, removing the ministerial veto and stopping what he calls frivolous objections. West Coast National List MP Chris Ockenvoll says the Environment Minister should be able to take economic and social considerations into account when considering projects on dock land. Requirement would be that uh, there should be a net conservation gain to any exercise or decision. Now the Minister, the current Minister, will probably tell you that that's what's done at present, but I'd like it to be in law. The basic thing is we have to grow the telephone book on the West Coast. The population is down to 30,000 now. Uh, private industry, private enterprise is reaching new heights. Uh, it has to be supported by government services and currently the infrastructure isn't there. The Green Party is totally against the Mokianui Dam scheme and argues for a centralised approach to power generation planning. Its West Coast Tasman List candidate Kevin Haig says Meridian Energy could be required to take a less commercial approach to power project decisions. And one of the ways is certainly by adjusting the terms of reference of the state-owned ent entities that we have now. Um, there, are, there are other options that involve creating new bodies or perhaps extending the, the brief of the Electricity Commission. So there's all sorts of ways that we could actually achieve 
um, the planning parameters that I'm talking about. The hearing on Meridian's Mokianui application won't directly address the overall debate of hydropower versus the environment, but the questions about the future of hydro, and especially hydro dam projects, will underlie the arguments. Trustpower's had its own controversy in Marlborough, gaining consent for a canal-based hydro scheme on the Wairo River. Spokesman Graham Purchase says it's hard enough winning approval for run-of-river schemes, let alone big hydro dam projects. He believes their days are over. Certainly the Resource Management Act makes it extremely difficult to build those sort of schemes, but our approach has been to do smaller stuff, to, to take part of the flow out of a river, to make sure that you leave a sustainable flow in the river, um, and, to and to build those projects where the power will get used locally, not to build a, a huge project that's going to export the power somewhere else, because that's inefficient. Westland's West Power Chief Executive Rod Caldwell says they're not looking at damming rivers either. Well, the, the types of projects we're looking at lend themselves to run a river because we're, we're looking to um, keep the effects as low as we can. We're, we're a community-owned company, so we are part of the community and we've got to take the community's interests uh, very seriously. And run of the river seems to be the thing that fits for us and for the community. However, Buller Electricity's Mike McSherry says dam projects should not be discounted. But if the government wants to carry out its policy of renewable energy under the terms that it's specified, uh, it can't shut off those options. They, they have to be looked at. And I think you know, with the RMA that's in place, I think that that's enough uh, weaponry, if you like, for, for everybody. And I think they should just leave it to that. Back in northern Buller, locals are anxiously anticipating the Mokianui resource consent hearing. Forest and Birds' Debs Martin believes the project can be defeated. Within the environmental community, I think there's outrage at the idea that the Mokianui is going ahead. So when it comes to a national consideration, people are very concerned. They see that if we can't actually stop something as damaging in this, in this place... Where, are, where can we stop things? Meridian says it would not have gone this far with the Mokianui scheme if it wasn't convinced the environmental effects could be mitigated. Claire Shaw says the science behind that contention will be presented to resource commissioners in the weeks ahead. We invest from all projects and perspectives millions before we even get to the hearing process and that's making sure that um, it's viable for a whole host of reasons, whether it's providing enough power, the impact and how it will fit um, in that area. So we are very aware of what's going on uh, around us and uh, we still believe that this, this scheme, the Mikahinui scheme, is one that we'll have to, we'll have to, go, to go ahead to ensure that the West Coast gets the power it needs. The consent hearing will run until at least late October, although a decision could be many months away. That programme was written and presented by Jeff Moffat. Technical production was by Nick Chave and it was produced by Philippa Tolley.